Then in the final time, I will give you spiritual shepherds after my own heart, who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Jeremiah three fifteen Amplified Version. Strikers, let's find out more about being a shepherd and how he tends his flock. Next on the Mighty Anvil. God, you are my smith. Forge me into the servant that you would have me be. Hit me hard enough to brush the scale and impurities from my life. Draw out my life to the length that you would have it. Make me tough enough to resist persecution, and temper me so that I am hard enough to withstand my temptations. Lord, as I go through life, put me back in the fire from time to time to repair me as I get blemished with sin. And when my life is over and the fires of life are all quenched, grant me a home with you in heaven. Amen. Amen. Alan, well, welcome back to another week of uh, the Mighty Anvil. Yeah. We got a little brushing today. We are in season three, just it's started season off. Season three. You yep. just heard a, brother, uh, a pair of brothers last week, and this week. The Young uh, Bucks. Yeah, the Young Bucks. Like, I, I was curious. That was a good, that was a good conversation. Yeah. Didn't quite get to the, the questions we had written down. Yeah, but, fine. Uh, you know, it's uh, the Holy Spirit wants to take us. And yep. I think we said that yes, a couple sir. of times. Yeah. But uh, what else we got in the brushing? Uh, other things in the brushing. We have a website. Yes. So, uh, one of our listeners, well, actually not one of our listeners, one of our uh, guests on the show, Chris Richmond, uh, he created a website for The Mighty Anvil, and it is themightyanvil.com. Uh, um, it's got all of season one and season two episodes up to listen to. Um, so, in case, you know, you have people out there that are not tech-savvy and they don't have Spotify or Google or, you know, whatever, they can actually go online and just pull it up like a regular web page and listen to the podcast episodes. Right on. Maybe we can put some merchandise and get some striker shirts in there. I'm thinking, soon. sir. Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking definitely. Thinking, sir? Thinking, sir. Yeah. Yeah, I heard that. <laughs> it's not 4.30 <laughs> in the morning anymore. It's not 4.30 anymore. in the morning, though. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, but lastly, if you have questions or comments, strikers, please feel free to email us at mightyanfilpodcast at gmail.com. Right on. Who do we got today? Today we have a pastor who has married my wife and I twice. <laughs> Um, it's a second. No, 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 it was like pre-COVID marriage, or actually during COVID marriage, and then we had the celebration. So we had two marriages. Uh, we technically have two anniversaries, but whatever. Did you get a discount from this guy? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> it was well deserved anyway. Yeah, he uh, he drives a, a very awesome car. It's not a passenger. He's car. very generous. <laughs> you just got to know that when when uh, when that opportunity came up, I was so honored. And both times I said, "Listen, uh, uh, your family, you're fine." And and of course, Alan and Shannon being Alan and Shannon. Nope, we're going to take care of you. So yeah. I was very blessed on on several fronts. Right on. And uh, yeah, every time you see him, he always has a smile on his face. Always has a smile on his face. Period. So welcome to the show, Pastor Leif Angel. Yeah. Honored to be here. Yeah. Honored to be here. Thank y'all so much for having me. It's so funny. Uh, and this is. Just giving a little bit too much information, but with that double L at the end, it's mm-hmm. thrown me off. Oh yeah, I mean I don't know why. It's oh, <laughs> listen, uh, my name is Leif Angel, and my entire life it's either been I've gotten a lot of laughy angles. Um, <laughs> uh, I've gotten Lafay. I get Lafay. People Lefay. assume I'm French uh, or Spanish oh. or something. Um, I get mail to Lace Angel, and if you Lace. don't think that shakes you up like a L A C E, oh boy, Angel with one L. That's Saturday nights only, right? Yes. <laughs> 
Yeah, uh, I'm, I get used to pretty much every. You can say Pete, and I'll turn around because at this point, I answer to pretty much anything. You can't mess it up too bad. <laughs> right You're fine. On. Uh, so we are core values uh, led here. It's something that's been poured into us, and it's something that we want to make sure that people sure to grasp. Uh, yeah. I find it interesting that you know I've asked people that aren't within ELC or you know outside, and I ask them, "Well, what's your core values?" And it's like. You know this, this, and this. It's like, how often do you practice them? Do you focus on them? He's like, yeah, they're always in my mind, but they yeah. don't really. It's not something that most people really focus on, and I think that that's. Uh, oh, we actually did an exercise with my son when he was probably twelve, uh, and we were talking about what our family core values, and we came up with nine, and we did an art project to put on our wall, mm-hmm. uh, and had the entire family involved with. Okay, this is what it means to be an angel, and um, we asked our son, okay, tell me what your core values are, and of course he had this great list. I value. I value um, my family. I value God. I value, I mean, it was, it was all, it was very nice stuff. I value quality time with my family. And we said, okay, now this is a great list. The Pope would be proud of your list. It's a great list. But if you value family and quality time with your family, how much time do you spend on your computer playing video games and how much time do you spend with the family? And of course the answer was way out of line. And uh, I said, now, is this a core value or is this a core uh, aspiration? Is this a core value or is this a core something else? You know, um, <laughs> you got to get the selfie. Hello. Yeah, we uh, usually have a photographer. Um, Gabe is on vacation in Florida, so. Nice. Yeah, our photographer's on vacation, so we have to do things. Uh, yeah. Extra work. The old-fashioned way. The old-fashioned way. Yeah. Well, in order for something to be a core value, it's got to be something you can intentionally focus on and come back to. And, and really, in, in the nicest possible way, you really need to kind of grade yourself on, okay, if this is what I say matters to me, does my life reflect this, or is this just an aspiration? You know? Do you think a core value can be something that uh, is an aspiration, or is that not quite a core value? Uh, it, it, I, I think your core values ought to be aspirations. But a core value means that um, uh, if, if, if quality time by family is uh, a core value, then I aspire, I desire, I want more quality time of a family. And that means I have to guard against uh, time pirates that are going to come steal my time. Arr. And exactly. Time pirates. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's um, energy vampires and time pirates, and they're going to come steal your time and your energy. Um, and really... If quality time of family is a core value, then really what I have to do is I have to defend that. So it's an aspiration, but it's an aspiration I hold myself to versus, you know, it'd be, it sure would be nice if I had more time. No, because I value this, I'm going to actively defend it. Mm. You know, I think there's something so powerful in Proverbs 3.3 when it says, um, don't let truth and love, don't let faithfulness depart from you. And by the way, if you look at different translations, it's described in different ways. But the idea is, is unity. And as a matter of fact, it's in, it's in um, the message I did for Shannon and Alan's wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea is that if it was easy, you wouldn't have to tie it around your neck. You wouldn't have to bind it around your neck or, or, or uh, tie it on the tablet of your, you know, close to your heart, around your, basically around your throat. I'm tying it so close that it cannot get away. Um, and it says, don't let these things forsake you. So if it were easy, there'd be no, necess- no need for the, for the tying. So uh, you have to actively defend. You have to, act- have to actively pursue. Uh, and that's what takes it from being just an aspiration to a core value. Right on. So what are your top three? Uh, I cheated. 
I gave uh, you five. Oh, right on. Well, <laughs> okay. and, and the reason is I'm not, not just trying to be obstinate, but rather, uh, of course, the first one is love God and love people. Uh, Alan can tell you in our church lately, that's been the, the drumbeat is love mm-hmm. God and love people. Uh, we're, doing, we're in the middle of actually on the tail end now of our Roman series. And so coming out of that, love God and love people has been our focus. Um, but then after that comes joy, generosity, passion, uh, and I would say integrity slash honor. Uh, to walk with honor and to be generous with honor and others. But really, I, I pick those because they really do bleed life into one another. Like if you're going to uh, love God and love people and you do it without joy, who needs that? Yeah. Uh, if you're going to do it without generosity, uh, I, I've heard it said, and I've probably said it a, a dozen times myself, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. If I love God and love people, I have to be generous with both. Uh, and then, of course, um, honor. If I'm, if I'm going to live a life of honor, uh, I, live, I do my best to live an honorable life. But more than that, because one of these bleeds life into the other one, if I'm generous with honor and I love people and I give honor, uh, rather... Uh, not impress me and then I'll honor you. Rather, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead with a point of uh, you're creating the image of God. There's something honorable about you. I'm going to find it. I'm going to honor it. I'm going to lavish honor on it. Um, and, and so those would be my core values. Just, just be love God, love people, joy, passion, um, honor, uh, and generosity. What do you have a core scripture? Core scripture. I do. Uh, I actually had this tattooed on my arm. <laughs> it's not the whole passage. I had just had the, the scripture reference tattooed on my arm. It's Colossians 1, 15 through 20. Uh, and it's a longer passage. Uh, it says, For he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he's the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace through the blood of his cross. Uh, That is a core scripture of mine. It's longer, so I read it, so I make sure I didn't miss any part of it up or uh, get going too fast. But uh, I really do. I review that in my mind often. And, And the purpose is... Uh, if we are strong men, if we are honorable men, if we keep our grass mowed, if we're nice to our family, a good father, a good husband, if we do everything right, but we lose the focus that all of this is for him. He's the king. He's the Lord. Uh, he, there's none like him. Uh, if I ever lose track and I'm just trying to be a good guy, that's fruitless. I can be a good guy that people seem to like. But if I ever forget that this is all for his glory, not mine. This is all for his praise, not mine. That if we, uh, and boy, this is another thing our church has heard a lot. If we really believe what we say we believe, then my life needs to revolve around this truth and not find a way to make my faith fit into my life, but rather build my life around this, this core thing, uh, which is Jesus is the, the center. He's the focus. He's the king of kings and lord and lords and and how majestic and wonderful he is if we don't keep our eyes on that we get focused on how to be good little men and strong men and and we're going to support each other and that's wonderful there's i don't want to diminish that in the slightest but i think it's the heart of the mighty anvil that all this is for god's praise and all this is for god's glory we're not seeking to be better men because better men is desirable we're seeking to be better men because we want to be conformed into the image uh in romans actually 12 uh i'm sorry romans 8 29 
for those he pre-knew, he predestined. And we're predestined, not God chose you, but not him. No, it says we're predestined to be conformed in the image of Jesus, that he might be the first among many brothers. Okay, well, that means to me clearly that this, uh, this whole purpose, uh, it, being a strong man, being a godly man, is not about what a great guy life is. It, this is all about me being conformed to the image of Jesus and bringing as many with me as I can along the way. I like it. Let's talk about predestiny. That's, that's actually, uh, I love this topic so much, but, um, there are two schools of thought that are diametrically opposed. There's, there's Calvinism, which basically means that you're so debased. You are so without merit, without hope. You are filthy rags that unless the Holy spirit shows you your need for Jesus, you have no way to ever access Jesus. And that comes back into predestination that the Holy Spirit's going to pick you and reveal Jesus to you, but not pick you. Hmm. Okay? That's that, that Calvinistic predestination-type doctrine. But then on the other side, there's Arminianism, and Arminianism basically says that there's a, a residue of the divine in each of us, and that we each are longing for uh, filling basically the God-shaped hole in our heart, and, and that, that we can each turn our hearts to God and go find God. Uh, and, and, the, and the truth is, of course, neither. The truth is somewhere, not necessarily in the middle, but it's a completely different understanding that when uh, he says he foreknew those whom he foreknew, if we understand that God stands outside of time, like we're locked in a time when we have no choice. We're, we're held bondage to time. One moment precedes the next. Uh, and, and of course, there's the moment that follows and everything is linear. So we live our lives in a very linear fashion, but God is not constrained by time. He looks at my life. He looks at your life as Scott's life as this is a completed event. He can see the end from the beginning. He really can. He's looking for one thing. As a, at any point in this lifespan, is he going to choose me? Is he going to acknowledge his need for me? If the answer is yes, then we go back to verse 28, Romans 8, 28. For God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That means the car wreck that was going to take you out, this, the sickness, the disease, or whatever else that was going to take you out when you were a child. And God said, no, 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 we're going to get him to this point because I'm going to preserve him until he gets here and he's going to choose me. But more than that, I'm going to work all things, even the things before that moment of understanding that I really need my Savior. He works all things together for the good. And so he says those he foreknew, he predestined. So he's looking at your entire life and he knows in advance if you're going to say yes. He doesn't force you. We're not robots. We're not animals. He's not going to force us. But rather, he knows if you're going to choose him. And once he recognizes, okay, this one's mine. Again, he stands outside of time. It's a completed event to him. So you've been his. from the, we, we, we mark that anniversary, right? I know the day. I know the moment. Well, some of us do. I was raised in church my whole life. I know there was a moment in time where it became very real to me. But... I don't know how many times I said the Lord's prayer and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and so at what point in time did I become a child of God? And the answer is I was before I was born because he saw me from the beginning of time. <laughs> and he knew from the beginning of time that Leif Angel is, is one of mine. This is one of my precious kids. So those whom he foreknew, he predestined. And by the way, in this entire lineage, so it's those he foreknew, he predestined, those he predestined, he called, those he called, he justified, those he justified, he glorified. Amazing, right? But the only one he stops to explain is this whole predestined thing. Everything else is he, those he foreknew, he predestined. And oh, by the way, 
he's predestined to be conformed into the image of Jesus so that Jesus might be the first of many brothers. And it goes right back into those he predestined, he called, those he called, he justified, those he justified, he glorified. No explanation for any other one, but he explains what it means to be predestined so we don't get confused. Uh, there's other places that in the Bible it talks about somebody's predestined or, you know, from the beginning of time God knew. Yes, but remember that this foreknowledge thing is such a big deal that God is standing outside of time and he knows Scott's story from beginning to end. And he really does work all things together for the good. And he sees even the painful points. And yet he's working those things. He's weaving those things together. It doesn't mean that, that you know, um, we live this hashtag blessed life and everything's just going to work out in our favor. It means he loves us so much he's never going to let any painful part go unused. Mm. Any, any hurt, any hard thing we ever have to go through, he's still weaving that into the story. At the end of the day, God gets the glory in it all. Because remember, he is the image. Jesus is the image. I love that. I love the poetry in that line. He is the image of the invisible God. What does it even mean? Well, think about it. Okay, he, Jesus is the image. We know what the Father looks like because we see Jesus. And we see Jesus loving on real people. He didn't go to the spiritual people or the godly people or the super holy people. He went to the fishers and the tax collectors, and he went where real people. That's why the, the, the tagline or the motto, uh, the vision for our church is going to be a church that connects real people to a real God. Not some future version of Scott where he gets his act really cleaned up and he's looking good and he's all, okay, he's polished. Okay, he looks like a good little Christian now. Yes, okay, come on. We'd love to have you in our church. Real people right where they are. You know, we were talking about a friend of mine uh, earlier, Robert. You know, listen, Robert doesn't feel like he fits in anywhere. But we've been saying, listen, you fit in because right now where you are, grace means this. God loves you. He's crazy about you in this moment, not some future version of you when you get cleaned up. And that's the hope, right? Uh, it, it's a progressive work to follow. Jesus means I'm daily being conformed. Philippians one, six, um, he who began the good work in you will complete it. Or the, the, actually, if you look in the Greek, it's the, the, the term is will be, it, it's a, it's a progressive thing. I am never complete. I won't be complete until the day Jesus comes back and then it's going to be finished. But along the way, I am, I'm a work in progress. And so are you. And so is Alan. And so is Robert. Maybe and, not me so much. I'm well, pretty yeah, much perfect. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, You've nailed it for yes, sure. Got it all yeah, down. The rest of us. Yes. I'm here to help. I'm here to help, guys. Thank you. Awesome. Um, you you want to start with your question? Or I guess sure, you did. sure. So uh, I'd like to just to start at the top. Where What church do you lead out of? Uh, I was at Elevate Life Church for 19 years and nine months. Um, we were blessed out to go start Grace Point Family Church in Anna, Texas. Uh, and that was, we launched in January 26th of, tw of 2020, seven weeks before the big shutdown. So <laughs> yeah, great you know, timing. I really did. I, I was, I was so stressed out at that moment, but God, of course, being God, uh, we have grown and flourished through the middle of all this. But of course we get that, we get the phone call on Thursday um, back at the end of February of, of, uh, 2020, we get the phone call. So we we're going to have our very first, uh, we finished the first series, which was messy, which is basically exactly what we just said that right now where you're at, why you're still messy, God's crazy about you. That was the whole point of the entire series. And we finished that series. And that week before we began the next series, uh, I got a phone call from, um, the superintendent at Anna ISD. And he said, by the way, uh, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you cannot meet in our schools. You know, we are shut down, locked down, building is locked, and you cannot get in um, uh, for the duration of however long this lasts. We think it's only going to be two weeks. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> that didn't work out. <laughs> but uh, we, I was really thinking, well, this is going to hurt us, man. We, we're, we're just a baby church. We just got started. 
at the time, I think we had like, you know, 70, 80 people coming and maybe 120 people on a weekend. Um, and, and this is going to crush us, but, uh, God is so faithful. We went online only and every single month we grew month after month after month. And a lot of that is because, um, at the same time, we also had the opportunity to begin our food ministry, um, and, and meeting families in need that, you know, uh, had food insecurity. So you may have food in your pantry today, but you don't know when that's gone, where the next food's coming from. That's food insecurity. So we wanted to be a, a voice into that, speak into that, address that. And, and God gave us an open door um, and, and we took that step. And so that's grown and grown and grown and grown to now we have a permanent food pantry in Anna, Texas. Uh, and we serve people three days a week um, and, and make sure we're taking care of families who have food insecurity to make sure we kind of take that off their plate uh, three days a week. Well, you cannot give God. You can't do it. You can try. You should try, but you can't out give God. So as we were doing this and serving, we just kept growing. And it's not because my preaching is so stellar. It's not. But mm, when some you, might argue with that. <laughs> yeah. That's good. I would definitely uh, argue with I, I really, um, as a pastor, you're always questioning, you know, like, did I, did I deliver that right? My team is, uh, there, there's probably, well, Alan and Shannon and a couple of the other couples in our church get, get with us before every service and, and pray over me before I go take the stage and, and, and preach. Uh, and it seems like every single week I'm saying, man, if I'm, God really just dropped this in my spirit, and if I, if I deliver it right, it's going to be, oh, shut up, life, you're going to be great. Like, no, I really wrestle with, Lord, help me get this right. Let me say this the right way. So it connects with people the way you've connected it in my heart. And it's always that, that, that weight, right? And it's, it's the most positive. I don't, I don't mean, it's so hard being a pastor. Listen, I love my life. I would not for a second choose any other profession. I'm exactly doing what God has for me to do, and I love it. But it's always that question of, man, did I, did I say that right? Did I come across right? Did I communicate that at all? Did people walk away understanding what I wanted them to really understand from God's word today? It's a constant battle. So it's not that I'm a great speaker. It's just that when we're actively involved in, in doing the work of the ministry and being God's arms and hands extended, again, giving, giving of ourselves, giving of our time, giving what's best of us to love and serve others. You can't have give God. And so the only reason that we are growing and thriving as we are today is because we've been uh, established by the Holy Spirit as a church that we're going to be, we're going to be a giving church. And it's not going to be just something that we do on a once in a while. It's going to be, this is woven into the fabric of who we are. And, and so we've grown all the way through the pan pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, now kind of on the tailing end where people are starting to relax a little bit. And in Texas, uh, you don't see a mask. It's really kind of, you know, if you go into downtown Dallas, it's weird to see somebody without one. And in Texas, it's really weird when you see somody with a mask. Mm -hmm. You know, small town Texas has a whole different feel to it. And so it's, it's a different deal. But for, for us, we feel like we're on the tail end of this whole pandemic thing. I know in other areas, it's still very, very much real. But um, for us, on the tail end of this thing, we've just seen God bring us all the way through. And again, Romans 8, 28, God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And that's, that's us. So um, God has just really done an, an incredible thing as we've grown. So when did you know? That I liked fried okra? <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm curious that. Yeah. When did you know you liked when fried okra? When did I know I liked fried okra? Was it the first time? Or? <laughs> it was the very first time I had a bite of fried okra. I knew from that point on this is going to be a passion. No, I... <laughs> Um, I, I knew when I was 16 that I was called to full-time ministry. 16. I knew that I was at 16. Uh, I was scared to death of what that meant, 
because um, I had an experience where I really felt like um, um, at 16 I threw a party, got busted throwing the party. I heard a phrase that almost everybody hears. You know, I love you, but I don't have to like you right now. And I'm thinking, okay, they know about this party. They don't know about everything else. Um, God knows everything. If that's how they feel, God must be like, I know he loves me, but he's pretty annoyed and angry with life most of the time, right? And so I got on this performance track of Christianity. And so uh, there was a moment in time where Ted Haggard was a guest speaker to just the, the, the campus chaplains. I was serving everywhere I could serve. I was doing everything I could do to be the good little Christian boy. You know, I went to Oral Roberts University, which I love. It's a great school. I, I chose wisely, but I went there because, listen, I'm, I'm, you know, I know God's already angry at me. So I'm going to pick not the party school. I'm going to pick the, 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 the faith school. and I'm going to go to this faith school. Uh, and it's a very different vibe. And it was great. It was a wonderful experience. But even there, I was still convinced I had to do more, do more, do more, because I'm trying to find some way back into God's grace, some way back into God's favor, uh, because I've messed up too bad too many times. And so with but all the that, truth is you can't, right? Right. You can't. And so, uh, Ted Haggard walks into this collection. Uh, we, we get a phone call on a, on a Thursday night. Everybody show up at this, this auditorium at seven o'clock, no excuses be there. It was unscheduled. So we had to shuffle some things around and, uh, and it was really kind of a, it was kind of chaotic because this was in the days before everybody had cell phones or pagers. So everybody's calling everybody else's room and trying to track down the what? other pastor, the, the other uh, chaplain down the hallway. What's a pager? Stop it. <laughs> you just stop it. So anyway, um, we got everybody together and we're all sitting in this room and this guy walks in uh, with our men's campus chaplain. Uh, his name was Mike Ewald, but this guy walks in with Mike and his, 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 his Ted Haggard. And Ted Haggard had some notoriety for other reasons later on. Uh, but I'll always love Ted Haggard because in the moment he began his message that night to the, to the chaplains and he, he asked a question, okay, who can give me a definition for grace? Now you have to remember we're at Old Roberts University, we're at the chaplains program. I'm the only non-ministry or theology major in the room because I, I knew I was called to ministry, but I thought for sure if I said yes to God, I was going to end up on the far side of the world in a grass hut, <laughs> ugly wife. Be careful what you ask for. You know, uh, dirt floors, you know, it's going to be terrible. And I got, I love you, but I'm scared to death to say yes to that. But God created you for what he has for you. And if God had created me to live in a grass hut on the far side of the world with a dirt floor, not an ugly wife who's always going to give me a pretty wife. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Jesus, for that. But um, uh, God created me for this, not that. But if he had created me for that, that would have been like electricity in me. That would have been like, I can't wait to get there. It's going to be so amazing. Um, and I know people like that who, who love to go. Uh, to the far reaches and, and, and do uh, these crazy exploits, which is amazing. Uh, I love those people, but God created me for this purpose. And so I knew at 16, I was called the full-time ministry. Uh, I had kind of set that aside because I was scared to death to say yes to God. Uh, and then um, out of nowhere, uh, I was, uh, Pastor Keith won, uh, I think it was the Dream Team Awards program back in 2014. Uh, looked and, and, and said, I see Pastor Leif right here. And of course, that's the first time I'd ever been called pastor. Um, and so we started saying, it's time for you to, to, to pick it up. It's time for you to come into full-time ministry. So I resigned my job. I, I came on staff for six years. Um, and then I got called into his office again and said, listen, if, um, if, you, were going, if you ever want to start or plant a church, we want to bless and send you out. But what he didn't know is that it had been on my heart uh, that, yes, I feel like I'm supposed to do something here. But we never wanted to leave badly. We'd seen that done too many times, and it hurt. 
Pastor Keith, it hurt my pastor, it hurt them, and it never worked out well. And so we always said, okay, if I ever leave, it's going to be because I'm blessed and sent, not because I just decided I'm going to go do my own thing. And so, uh, and we use those exact words and hope and I pray using those exact words. God, if, you, if it's ever time, we just pray in Jesus name, you're going to, that, that you're going to put on his heart, not mine. And he's going to say, bless and send. And, uh, I never mentioned it to Keith. I never mentioned it to, um, to, to anybody there. Uh, and, and so when I got called into the room and said, listen, if you ever want to start a church, we want to bless and send you. Okay. And so here, here's the thing. It would have been such a man of faith type story if i said yes i'm called to go and thank you for your your blessing and your sending he said but i want to give you a month to pray about it and think about it and instead of saying no I, that this is this conversation is very conversation is confirmation of what god's trying to do here um that would have been so man of faith and spiritual he said you know why don't you take a month i'll take the month <laughs> i still went home and prayed about it you know and like i i knew i knew from the moment he said the words but i was still terrified that you know I'm going to step out on my own and go from being a behind the scenes guy to being on stage, having to come up with a message every single week. And, and that's a lot. So God, I need to know you're in this. I need to know you're for me in this. And God time and time again showed up. So, uh, it's just the confidence we have when, when God opens the door and then if you don't go through fast enough, every once in a while, I'll give you a little swift kick in the butt to get you to go ahead and go through that door. Uh, that's my experience. So, yeah, that's exactly. Right on. Well, hey, uh, let's open the door for some uh, commercials and some pay some bills. And uh, we'll be back uh, here shortly, Strikers. So hang on. This episode of the Mighty Anvil podcast is brought to you by our partners at A Superior Lawn. Superior service is no longer common. We exist to change that. From basic lawn care maintenance to landscape services and more, we deliver comprehensive service with excellence from the first service and every service to the 380 corridor. Call 214-302-7783 for your free estimate today. Got grass growing in your tree beds? Weeds infiltrating your flower beds? Call A Superior Lawn today. I mean, let's face it, this summer has been hot and busy. Who even has the desire or the time to mow a lawn? Stay inside, enjoy your summer, while my friends over at A Superior Lawn restore your green oasis. Call 214-302-7783 today. All right, welcome back, Strikers. Uh, we are here with Pastor Leif Angel, and uh, that is not lace right. or anything like that. So <laughs> Angel, Angel, Angel. Yeah, you don't have to roll the. You don't have to roll your tongue at the end of that, right? Right on. Um, so you were with you were at ELC for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Were you one of the original people? I was. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. I was like trying to put the math together, and yeah. then I found it interesting that uh, who your friend was. How did you meet um, Jeremy? Jeremy Skidmore, uh, I actually met him uh, at Oral Roberts University. Uh, it was my sophomore year there, and uh, this big, wild, larger-than-life, crazy guy shows up, and, and Jeremy decided if you were going to be his friend or not. You, like, you didn't really have a choice in the matter. Um, and okay. Jeremy decided I was going to be his friend, and so we were um, really close for a lot of years. Uh, he, of course, was best man at my wedding, and... Um, we went through uh, just a whole lot together. 
Uh, he was the one that was by me when my, when my dad passed away very suddenly, very unexpectedly. Uh, Jeremy really didn't leave my side. He stayed. He slept on the couch in my apartment so that there would always be somebody there. But he was uh, wise enough to know that uh, in that moment, I didn't want another voice trying to comfort me, saying something spiritual sounding that, that left more scars than it did good. So he would literally uh, sit in my apartment and work on his homework because he was, of course, still in college. I had just finished my courses, but I had not yet walked. Uh, I finished my courses in December. My dad passed away in March, and I didn't walk till May. Well, from March pretty much through May, uh, Jeremy was always around and didn't have a whole lot to say. Thank you, Jesus. He had the wisdom to just, okay, give life some space, but also make sure life is not alone. And that was a very important distinction. So uh, one of my closest friends always will be, always has a very tender place in my heart. Love that guy. Miss him very much. So what, uh, when you became a pastor at ELC, mm-hmm. what, was, uh, what, what ministry you were in? I was the pastor of servant leadership okay. and small groups. And I started off with small groups. And, and that turned out to be a lot, a lot, because uh, we had servant leadership grew from 765 servant leaders to over 2,200 servant leaders. And uh, just trying to manage those teams and everything else. That's a lot. As well as write small group lessons and things like that. So uh, thankfully, um, uh, I I became just the pastor of servant leadership uh, and and was in that role for four of the six years I was there. Where's your heart? uh, Where is your heart in what ministry? Does that make sense? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think one of the one of the questions that Alan had had asked me before is uh, what's my favorite area of ministry? And, And that's that's. It is, I'm not trying to duck the question at all, but it's a, it's a more complicated answer than that because uh, I am passionate. I am, I'm a sucker for restoration stories. Uh, I, I love when you find somebody who is broken and hurting and without hope, and yet, however God does it, they get a glimpse of, okay, God loves me and he's for me, and that God can restore what's been lost and uh, he doesn't just restore to the original condition. He does so much more than that. Yes. And when you see those moments where somebody goes from hopeless to hopeful, and you see those moments where somebody goes from uh, broken and uh, just destitute, and, and God does a work like that, and God does a restoration story in them, I, I am a sucker. I live for those moments. And that can happen right now. I'm, I'm a huge fan. I, I love what we're doing with our food ministry. Uh, of course, we're seeing those, those opportunities to really share the love of Jesus with, with people who are in desperate moments uh, as we're doing the food ministry, and that, that provides a lot of opportunities for that. But I get just as excited when we get a chance to sit down with maybe a couple who's struggling in their marriage, and there's that, that moment of hope where God begins to turn things around. Uh, I, I love that. I love, I love seeing it in the food ministry. I love seeing it when we do weddings, when we do uh, marriage one-on-one counseling with couples, um, wherever God wants to do that and whatever vein he wants to do that. I, 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 I don't know how to say it. it sounds maybe dramatic or hokey on my part, but I really do. I live for that. I love to see those turnaround moments where God gives somebody hope who's been hopeless, where God gives somebody um, just a glimpse of himself. You know, it's just like my moment when I was really con- convinced that God didn't like me. And there was that moment in time where grace simply put means this, that right now before you get cleaned up and pretty, in this moment of time, God's crazy about you. I don't think I, I, don't think I ever finished the story with Ted Haggard, but that's what he did. Is What he said is, you know, somebody give me a definition of grace and every hand shot up except for mine because I was terrified. <laughs> um, 
and and you know uh, he listened to two or three answers and he said okay those were all good but let me just tell you in the in the most simple terms grace means this that right now while you're still a mess while you're still dirty while you're still shabby before you get everything polished up and pretty god is crazy about you right now and, and that's so broke my heart that I really ran back to my dorm room and I was bawling because I'm thinking, okay, if this means that, that means that I can serve God, not out of guilt or shame or trying to earn my way back into something, but I can serve God out of gratitude and, 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 and honor and, and, and love and joy. It's so different than the picture of what my, my faith meant to me before was guilt, 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 mm-hmm. do more, do more, do more, perform, perform, perform. And no matter how hard you perform, you can never catch up. But if you can just get a glimpse of his grace for you means right now, he hasn't given up on you right now. You've never been out of his sight right now in this moment where you're at, whatever your situation is, God has not lost track of you and he still adores you. True story. Yeah. And so if we, if, if, if I can see those moments through food ministry, food ministry is my favorite. If I can see those moments through, um, oh, I see what you yeah. marital counseling. That's my favorite. I want those stories and I want as many of them as I can get my hands on. Um, I, I love being a part of that. When God, when God uses you to do work a miracle on somebody else, there's no greater joy than that. So really my favorite area of ministry is whatever, wherever restoration is happening. You talked a little bit earlier for, about your role from being the background guy to now you're the guy yeah. making, you know, doing a sermon every week. Yeah. How, how long does it take to prepare one? Uh, man, I'm not giving you a straight answer on anything today. It's okay. Um, that depends, and it doesn't depend on... Um, it really, it, it's... Some messages take two to three hours. Some take two to three days. Um, there's still messages that I have yet to share with our church that I know I took notes on when I felt like God saying, God dropped something in my spirit. And I sat down, I need to write that down. And I took notes and I put it on my computer and I saved it to a file. And it's the beginning of a message. And when the time is right, that message is going to come forward. Well, that took years. Uh, but there's always that moment in time where I'm studying, I'm praying, I'm preparing. And all of a sudden, and, and so far, praise God, this has been true every single Sunday. But there's a moment in time where all of a sudden, like the Holy Spirit just brings something to life. And I know, okay, I know exactly where I'm going now. I know exactly what I need to share now. Uh, and it always hits me hard enough to the point that, um, and this is gonna, again, I, I'm sorry, this is going to sound super hokey, but I'm, I was standing with hope in my office one time and, and often we'll go, we'll go through a scripture. I'll take some notes, I'll write it down. And then I'll, I'll literally have hope sit down at my desk and she's on my computer and I'm pacing back and forth just out loud processing it. And, um, she's used to, okay, he wants me to take that. No, nah, he doesn't care about that. He wants me to take that. And when it's all done, it, we kind of craft it and shape it into the message. But there's been times where I'm, I'm walking back and forth and man, this is going to make, <laughs> this is going to make me sound so dramatic. I promise you I'm not, I don't cry hardly at all. And that's not, you know, you know, pat me on the shoulder, but, um, there's been times where uh, I'm walking back and forth in the office and like the Holy Spirit will drop something in my heart and it'll literally bring me to tears. Uh, one time I was literally sobbing and we had people in the house you know, like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> hope the doors are closed and hope nobody heard that because that would be really, really weird. Um, but that's why it's always so important on a Sunday morning when I'm in the green room and I have my team praying for me, I'm saying, man, if I communicate this right, this is the heart of God for our church right now. Uh, and they're going, Oh, you're going to be fine. It's like, no, you don't understand. 
this, this hit me so hard. And if I deliver it in some lackluster fashion and, and somebody doesn't need, does, doesn't get what they really needed to get because I took it easy or, you know, eh, yeah, it'll be fine. Uh, I hear people talk about how uh, there's another pastor I met recently that I'm like, oh, you know, because we, we talked about, okay, so, mm-hmm. you know, what is it that, you know, you're preparing for this weekend? And he said, you know, I really don't prepare that much. I just get up there and I open the Bible and, and the Holy Spirit always, you know, illuminate something for me. Well, that's not the way it works for me at all. It's always some, I don't feel like I have the freedom to do, to wing it. I feel like when God puts something on my heart, if I, if I miss a beat, if I take it lightly and, and don't communicate something he's put in my heart, then somebody's not going to get what they need. Mm-hmm. And, and as a shepherd, my call is to equip them, prepare them, protect them. If I don't give them what they need because I took it lightly, uh, the weight of that is too much. So I've got to, I, I, I can't wing it. I've got to prepare for it. I've got to, I've got to study. I've got to stay in the word. So sometimes writing a message can take two to three hours and there'll be that moment where I can't know exactly where I'm going. And I finish the flow and I pray about it the rest of the week. And those, those weeks are, are really kind of weird for me because usually it works the other way around. There's uh, right now for this weekend's message, I've got probably two days uh, yeah. of prep and study. And that's going back to, um, uh, commentaries and, and uh, viewing the same passage in multiple translations of the Bible. And there's a lot to it, but you know, there's always that moment of time when something, uh, as you search for it, the Holy Spirit's going to say, here it is. And there's that moment where it just quickens. I'm like, okay, that's it. That's, that's what I got to communicate this weekend. And, and right there is when all the study stops. And if that happens two to three hours in, if it happens two to three days in, uh, I'm waiting till the Holy Spirit says, okay, this is what I want you to share. And once I have that, all the, all the prep work stops and I just make sure I communicate it as best I can. But that's why it's always such a big deal on a Sunday morning. And Alan's looking at me like, you know, life, you, you say every week, man, I just got to get this out. Right. It's because I mean, when, when God gives you a word and he says, this is what I want you to share. Um, and it's not an audible voice where it's like tapping you on the shoulder. My life, by the way. No, it really is. <laughs> as you're preparing and all of a sudden something just comes so alive and it might be a passage I've read a thousand times, but all of a sudden it comes alive in a brand new way. Mm-hmm. And this is what I have to communicate, whatever the cost. Um, it's why I'm so dramatic on Sunday mornings. <laughs> like, okay, y'all going to be praying for me right now because I got to get this out right. So, yeah, two, three days to three, three two or three hours to two or three days. And, and sometimes it's years in the making, but yeah. Has there ever been a time where you prepared, you have your message already set, and then the day comes and you're like, nope, this isn't what I'm going to do? Um, yeah, well, kind of. Um, I really do feel like that before I ever get up on a Sunday morning, I've sought God and I've got really kind of what I want, what the Holy Spirit wants me to share. But there have been times where uh, there have been what I thought was a sub point in the message. Mm-hmm. And that became the message of the Sunday. Like this wasn't the main thing I was going to speak about today. But as I'm sharing it, the people in front of you draw different things out of you. Um, and so as I'm sharing it and somebody um, is really connecting with it, uh, and not the ones who shout the loudest because usually they're the cheerleaders, right? They're, they're fine. They're wonderful. It's a lot easier to, to speak when you've got people in the room who are cheering you on. But there's those moments where you can really just feel the tug on your heart like, okay, I need to go further there. I can't stop on that. I can't move on to the next point yet because I got to finish. This is important to somebody. And I don't know who it's for. It's not like, you know, the Holy Spirit says the lady on the third row on the left. On it. No, it's, <laughs> it's, okay, somebody, this is important. I don't know why it's important, but I have to, have to finish this thought. Um, and it's, it's oftentimes when somebody's come after me, after, up, up, after me, up after me, up to me after service and said, man, that thing you shared right there, man, that really hit. 
And that's just how you have the confidence, like, hey, the Holy Spirit's still flowing. Got it. Thank you, Jesus. You had mentioned about um, people uh, cheering you on. Yeah. It's one of my, <clears throat> it's one thing that I want to do. I'm just sitting there going, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm yeah. going to cheer them on. Yeah. But my contemplator kicks in and when yeah. they, when they start talking, I mean, I miss those, those opportunities because I'm just thinking. <laughs> You're still like, cooking on wow, it. Wow. Yeah. I'm still yeah. cooking on it. It's like, yeah. oh, I forgot. Uh, it just drives me crazy. Like that point he just shared, I processed it for 10 seconds too long. <laughs> and that'd be super awkward if I stood up and said, Yay! Hey, that thing you shared a couple seconds ago, <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> like totally weird. But I get that. You know, there's, there's the cheerleaders in the room. I've got Theron Nelson. I've got some of the other guys in the room that I can just count on. Like those are my, you know, okay, I'm bringing it today. Okay. It's, it's going good. But it's always the guy that's that's on the second row that really maybe not has said a word the entire time. But um, you can just see as I'm sharing, um, tears will well up or something is going to happen or, you know, that sometimes it's, it's. Yeah, I wish I would stop doing that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so they stop and put their heads in their hands, their head in their hands. And you're thinking, OK, this is for them. And I didn't know, but this is for them. And, and like, like you said, sometimes there's that moment where what I thought was a little sub point to the message, a little aside that is interesting and it turns out to be that that's exactly what God needed mm. them to hear. Yeah. So, you know, when I was uh, 24 years old, uh, I was, I just lost my grandfather. Uh, I think we talked about him a couple weeks ago and how I missed the opportunity to learn how to smoke brisket from him. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. But, uh, I was really upset. <clears throat> I don't know that I was, uh, yeah, I wasn't in church at the time. Uh, really upset with God. Like, why would he take, you know, that, that, that question that we all ask, yeah. why would you take someone that's so important to me? Yeah. But I was sitting at BM, uh, BWI airport in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And, uh, this was like a couple of weeks after, uh, we, uh, buried him and I'm, uh, uh my, my grandfather was Catholic. Yeah. So a priest came by, sat down facing away from me, but in a couple of chairs down. And I looked up and I said, this is kind of dangerous when you start uh, challenging God, right? Yeah. It's like, I dare you to sit him next to me on the plane. <laughs> um, <clears throat> be careful what you dare for, right? So uh, I, I get all on board. I put all my stuff down. I'm starting to, you know, pull out my CD player and my CDs. I don't know if it tells you how long ago this was. <laughs> um, and I start listening. And then uh priest comes in, sits down right next to me. I'm like, in, in the middle chair, like I feel sorry for him. Yeah. But I'm not giving my seat up. I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll probably give some more other stories that are connected with that uh, later on in some episodes coming up. But he showed up really big right there, mm-hmm. right, to me. And it was, I, I didn't, I had so many questions that yeah. I wanted to ask. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I couldn't just be, let's see, I wait, I, anyway, <laughs> um, he really showed up big that time. Yeah. And it, I needed, it, that's all I needed. I just yeah. needed him. It was kind of like, Hey, I'm here. Yeah. yeah. You know, I get where you're at. I see. I see it. Yeah. yeah. So often we feel like we're invisible to God. Like maybe the, has he lost track of me? And the answer is always no. So in those moments where you really need to let you know that, okay, I see you. Yeah. Stuff like that happens. It, yeah. it helps. Yeah. Where's a, where's a time in your life where God showed up big or just showed up and let you know the same kind of, Hey, I'm here. Well, for as a matter of fact, it's, it's, it's crazy. You mentioned that story right before you asked me that question, because when I lost my dad, um, uh, I had just had my 21st birthday. I was still very, I was still a kid. I mean, 21. It's like my kids now when they say, well, I'm an adult. Easy, child. easy, <laughs> easy, tiger, easy. Uh, at 21, I know I was still just a kid. Uh, I lost my dad very suddenly at 45 years old to a heart attack. And uh, I was wrecked. You know, uh, I'd always been a good little church boy. So I had um, this moment of time first when I, when I uh, 
had the Ted Haggard experience where he grace simply put means right now that God loves me before I get it all cleaned up and put together. That was one defining moment in my life. And the second one was, um, really after I lost my dad for two years, I didn't go to, I, I was so angry at God that I decided I was going to, I was going to get back at God by screwing my own life up as best I knew how. And so I started going to nightclubs and started running around and doing my thing and, and sowing wild oats and being crazy. Um, and, and yet two years after, um, I was working for a company there in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And there was this couple that I was in a, um, a very competitive volleyball league with. And so every week after the game and after practice, they would say, Hey, come to church with us this weekend life. And my answer was always, no, 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 not going to do it. Not happening. Well, one weekend, um, and, and it was, it was more than a year. So at least you think at least 52 times they asked me 52 weeks in a year. It was more yeah. than a year. They kept asking me, come to church with us. And my, my answer was always, no, no, thanks. Um, they found new ways to ask, but the answer was still the same. No, thanks. Well, one time they asked me just straight out, Hey, we really want you to come to church with us this weekend. And I said, yes, but I was lying. I was not going. I just didn't want to go through the explanations of why, or, you know, come up with an excuse of why I had other things going on. And I just said, yes, but I was lying until, and I went out that Saturday night, had a crazy night, probably got home, got to bed, uh, probably near somewhere near one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning, got to bed, uh, woke up the next morning. I was not hungover. I was not still drunk. I was completely sober. I sat up in bed and I look at my alarm clock and I can't go back to sleep. And it's, it's seven 30. Why, why in the world? <laughs> and I try to go back to sleep. But I can't get back to sleep. I'm not going to church, but I go ahead and get up and I take a shower. Cause I'm already up anyway. I go ahead and take a shower, but I'm not going to church. I get dressed, but I'm not going to church. I get in my car and I drive to the church. And now I'm like angry at God. I'm like, why, you know, I'm not going to this church. As I walk in the door, I'm looking for an usher. I'm looking literally for any excuse please have an usher come tell me I can't sit where I want to sit. And I guess they either saw it on me or the Holy Spirit was leading because nobody messed with me. And I literally sat in the very back row next to the exit door. Um, this was a, uh, this was a Carlton Pearson's church, higher dimension church in Tulsa. Uh, Carlton also had a, a weird turning uh, after that point. But in this moment, uh, that was Carmen's church. Uh, Carmen, the singer that, that recently passed away. Um, so Carmen was at that church. Um, this was not my kind of church. I was raised, uh, my, I was, I grew up in, at the, uh, abundant living faith center in El Paso, Texas with pastor Charles Neiman, who is wonderful, insightful, but a lot more stayed. And our worship was contemporary, but higher dimensions was the kind of church where everybody brought their own tambourine, you know, <laughs> and uh, this is not my vibe for sure. And I thought, okay, I'm going to sit by the back door. And if this gets weird, I'll just duck out. But somehow or another, praise God, I made it through, I made it through the, the service. And uh, the very last words, the, the message that day was about knowing God's dream for you. Um, and Pastor Pearson said that every one of us as boys, we dream about being firemen or fighter pilots or, you know, football players or whatever else or rock stars. And I was thinking, no, 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 that's not me. That's not me. Um, and some of you, like the dream that God's put in your heart is the one that's without, without repentance, meaning that this dream just never really goes away. It's always something you've always wanted that really is strong on your heart. And my thought was, I want to be the kind of man my dad was. 
Uh, I want to be a strong support in my church, mm -hmm. but I couldn't possibly be because I've, I've lived my life for the last two years this crazy way, and I've gone too far. I've done too much. God doesn't want me back. <laughs> I, I'd forgotten the Ted Haggard lesson already, um, but I was really convinced that, you know, there's no way I could have that because I've done too much and gone too far, and, and yet at the end of the service, he basically said, he closed with, like he was doing his usual closing and interrupted himself and said, hold on a second. I just need to say something. Somebody needs to hear this. The dream that God has for you, he has it so close, you won't believe it. Like it's, it's right in front of you. Hmm. And he finishes the message and two hours in front of me, Hope Angel, now at the time Hope McCauley, stood up, my wife. I hadn't seen her. I knew her in high school, hadn't seen her in years. And at the end of this message, she stands up and the entire time God, all the way through the message, I'm like trying not to bawl in this message. And it was because the message kept echoing in my heart. It's time to come home. It's time to come home. You've run far enough. I love you. You've never been out of my sight, but it's time to come home. I've got you. I'm right here. And I'm thinking all the way through the service, my dream would be to be the kind of man my dad was, but who, who in a Christian circle is going to want this guy that's been running the clubs and, and living this wild life and two rows in front of me, Hope Angel stands up or Hope McCauley stands up. Uh, we went on our first date that week. Uh, that was in February of uh, 1995. And in July of 1995, we were married. So coming up on our 26th anniversary no, next congratulations. month. Congratulations. Thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, but really, that was that moment in time where God really spoke to my heart and said, okay. Uh, so my moment in time, number one, was hearing that grace, simply put, means that God loves me right now while I'm still messy. Moment number two was, like, seriously, I mean it. <laughs> <laughs> seriously. No, no, really. No, seriously, I meant this for you. What do you find yourself most often in prayer about? Oof. Um, man, this is going to sound selfish. Sorry, <laughs> but this is the real truth. Uh, that God would give me the wisdom to not mess this up. You know, uh, it's a different deal when you're not in the lead seat, because if you mess up, I mean, somebody else is going to cover it. Somebody else is going to make it right. We'll figure it out. Um, the church doesn't hang on my mistake as a number two or number three or number four guy. But my prayer is, you know, God, uh, help me keep following you, draw me closer to you, and don't let me be dumb. I can protect me from myself if you need to, but don't let me be dumb. Don't let me mess this up because God's doing something so beautiful at our church. Um, I just am always praying for his guidance, his wisdom, and to protect me from me, you know. Uh, draw me closer to you, and, and, you know, God, if there's any... Um, I love Psalm 51, you know, cleanse me with hyssop, make me water, wash me whiter than snow. Uh, God, keep me in this place so I don't hurt myself and don't hurt others in the process. Uh, and I don't want to compromise what God's begun. I don't want to be the reason that what God started. And um, I mean, that sounds so dramatic, but it's just the truth. It's, it's what God's doing in, in Anna, Texas uh, with Grace Point Family Church is absolutely beautiful. And it's, to me, it's breathtaking. And Anybody else might look and say, well, that's the church and they're doing some stuff in the community. To me, it's, it's just breathtakingly beautiful. And I know I'm not enough to sustain this. The Holy Spirit better show up every single day. My first day as a pastor on staff at Elevate Life Church, 
Um, I said yes, that I would resign my job. But I remember walking into my very first staff meeting and sitting on the second row on the left-hand side uh, of, our, of our staff gathering place. And they're talking about something, and I'm not hearing a word of it because in my heart I'm thinking, God, if you don't show up, I'm going to ruin this so hard. <laughs> I'm going to screw this up so badly. God, if you don't show up, I'm going to mess this up so much. And God, please, 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 please be with me. Don't, don't leave my side. Don't, I want to, I want to keep hold of your hand and, and, and lead and guide me through this. And I feel it very much the same way on a daily basis, uh, a year and a half into the life of our church. I'm still, you know, Holy spirit. If you leave me, this is going to fall apart. Holy spirit. If you don't show up this Sunday, you know, um, I don't pray, you know, Holy spirit have, uh, I give you permission to interrupt my flow today. If you want, no, like Holy spirit, please interrupt my flow today. I prepared as much as I can prepare, but it, and if you want to do something different, please interrupt my flow today. And please, please help me with this. Cause this is, I can't, I can't sustain this. God had better show up. Otherwise this is going to fail. And that's kind of living on that edge of faith where, okay, put yourself in a position where if God doesn't show up, this is going to fail because I don't want to be in a position where I can make it happen myself. You know, if I can just turn the crank and make it happen, then I don't leave room for the Holy spirit. What do you feel is an area that God's working on with you in this season? I have been more drawn to worship. Uh, my whole life, I can appreciate good praise and worship, but my whole life has always been, okay, that's nice. Now let's get to the message. That was a good song. And maybe it tugged on my heartstrings a little bit, or I really I entered into worship, but that was always like, you know, you, you have the appetizer before you have the meal. Like, okay, it's a great appetizer. And, and, and what I'm drawn to now is um, on a random Tuesday at 3 o'clock. Like, I got, I got to put something on. I got to, you know, get into this place of praise and, and worship for a minute. Because, again, I'm, I'm keenly aware that I'm not enough to sustain this. And so how do I draw myself closer into his presence? Well, how about I go there intentionally and not just listen to some praise music on the radio, not just have a, a playlist on my phone, but intentionally, as I'm listening to the playlist, go into a place of worship myself. Uh, and so staying in a, in, a, in, a, in a mode of worship all the time. Uh, listen, I grew up listening to Van Halen and all kinds of stuff, and I still like that kind of thing, but I haven't listened to Van Halen in forever because I've been wearing out other stuff because I just I feel like a, a desperate need to stay in a place of worship yeah. because I have to stay in a place of worship in order for God to stay the focus of what's happening because mm. if this is ever built on life angel it's going to fail and it's going to fail hard if this isn't built on just staying and seeking hard after God's heart this is going to fail so hard so I'm just always in that place of you know um, and I really do feel like it's the draw of the Holy Spirit saying okay if you'll spend time with me, then you'll have to worry about Sunday mornings. Now, me being me and a little thick-headed, I still worry about Sunday mornings, but I really do feel like the Holy Spirit saying, okay, draw close to me, and you don't have to worry about that. I'll handle that for you. I, uh, I want to go back to preparing uh, sermons. Yeah. <clears throat> Starting off with, how do you know what the series is going to be? You know, um, I, I've got a great friend, uh, James Hutchins, at New Life Community Church in Frisco, Texas, has been a coach and mentor to me through this whole thing. 
I love me some, some James Hutchins. He is an incredible man of God. And as I'm sitting down with him, he can tell you early on in the year, in January, he can say, well, in, in November, we're going to be in this series. And honestly, uh, I have yet to get more than two series out because I, as we're wrapping up Romans, I know we're about to step into the battles series. And as we're in the battles series and, and where God's taking us with the battle series is looking at the, the book of Kings and looking at uh, you know, first and second Kings and looking at some of the battles and, and what are the lessons we're going to draw out of those things that the Holy Spirit is doing or that God did through his people and, and that God did for his people. Uh, but I'm also very much um, already asking, okay, what's after battles? And I have two or three ideas, but I don't know yet where necessarily God's going to lead. Um, it's the weirdest thing. I, I wish I was more strategic, but really I'm just kind of following the Holy Spirit's drawing me here. The Holy Spirit's drawing me there. I'm thinking about a couple of concepts for the next series and, and one of them will suddenly be like, okay, I know exactly where to go with that. Okay, Holy Spirit. And so right now I know battles is after Romans and what's after battles. I don't know. I don't know yet. I have, a, I have two or three things in mind. And as I pray about it, as I'm thinking about it, as I'm, I'm collecting, I'm always collecting you know, thoughts or say a verse and I go dump it in a file in my computer and okay, that's for this series or that's for that series. Um, there'll be something where it becomes exciting and alive and okay, that's what's next. So we got the series now mm-hmm. and you're, you're saying maybe one series after the current one you're in. Yeah. Have you ever had a moment to where like you can, you got two more, uh, episodes, I don't know, talking podcast, yeah. two more, uh, Sundays and then you know, you start the new one, but you haven't gotten. Oh, dude, I did the. <laughs> <laughs> so I did a five week series after the, the, the pandemic started, after the shutdown started. So we, we were shut down in, in March 1st uh, was the lockout. Uh, we were allowed back in the building in uh, June. Well, uh, in May, uh, I had written something down years before about the loaves and fishes. Um, the God, we serve a God who's the God of more than enough, not enough. We serve the God of more than enough. And I'd written some thoughts about that. And I really felt like, okay, this is that moment. This is the time I'm going to go there. And, um, okay. I, I know where I'm going to go. Week one is this week. Two is that week three is the next thing. And, and I had it all planned out. It was five weeks, literally 20 weeks later, <laughs> we finished the more than enough series wow. and, and by the way that's going to be a book that's coming out in september oh nice, uh, nice. yeah our first book is going to come out in in late september uh we have a team who's helping me they've got my my message notes but again so often happen as so often happens they'll say okay you know here i see your message notes but what you shared in, in service was a little different because again the holy spirit's just moving and flowing uh, and we really love the way it was said here so they're trying to take the transcript my sermon notes, my behind-the-scenes notes, the things that never made it into the, to the messages, mm-hmm. um, as well as, like, watching the videos. And I've got five ladies who are helping me compile this thing. And uh, we're, we're down to, we've got the hard transcripts of everything, and now we're going through and, and really kind of polishing it. And so we're going to have uh, an early pre-release version that we're going to do some high, high strong editing with. Um, and I'm going to say that's going to happen uh, August time frame. And then October, uh, September, October, late September, early October, we're actually going to have the book released. And they're saying that's important because, you know, you have to have it out before the, the, the Christmas season and, and when people are buying things from each other and, and that's the season you want to do it. And like, I don't know, the girl who's leading the team has actually published four books. So she's a lot further down the road with that 
I've never, yeah. I, I've never, not only have I never written a book before, I've never thought somebody's going to want to read something that I would write before. So I'm still struggling with that part. But um, yeah, that, that, that five-week series became a 20-week series that is now turning into a book. And uh, we did a Philippian series. We did a Captivated series. We've done some other series. And she said, okay, uh, I can see smaller books in each one of those. I'm like, well, I don't know that I'm going to be, uh, I didn't get into this to become an author. I got into this to just share and love on people as best I can. Um, but we'll just see what God wants to do next. That, that, that 20 week series of more than enough. Uh, she said, you know, Pastor Lee, that's going to be like a nearly a 300 page page book by the time we're done. And that's after the editing it down. Wow. So, um, don't feel the need to do that all the time, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the, it, it is often, it is often that I'll be writing and like happened two weeks ago. Uh, if I have more than five and a half pages of notes going into a Sunday, I'll, I'll go too long. Mm-hmm. And really four and a half to five pages is a sweet spot. Five and a half, I'm pushing it. Um, I went into a series, actually went to a Sunday. Last Sunday, mm-hmm. I had seven pages of notes. It used to be eight. Yeah, I got it down from eight to seven. <laughs> you know, Hope, Hope is my editor. She helps me knock it down substantially. But it often happens where there's just no way I'm going to get to what I want to get to in this passage of Scripture so I have to find the, the, the cutting point. Like, okay, I'm going to finish a thought here and pick up where I left off the next week. Um, but like this week, this past weekend, there was no cut line. It was just, it's one continuous mm-hmm. thought. Um, and there was no cut line. So I had to just kind of blaze through it as fast yeah. as I could. I got it done in 47 minutes. It was good. <laughs> it was good. Where I was going with these questions is yeah. uh, for the podcast, we're, we've been having a little series and stuff. Yeah. But I'm just, I guess it is just kind of answering my question here is just having the, the Holy Spirit kind of guide us. But yeah, I get a little nervous. Like we got season three coming up and season four is shortly after that. And yeah. we don't have anything planned for that. And uh, like, uh, I don't, I guess the question is, what would you recommend if you, to another church, to another pastor about yeah. setting up this, the series or to a podcast like us that, Hey, how would you prep for well, you know, that's, that's actually a great question. And I do, I talk to James Hutchins. I talked to Joel Scrivener at Oaks Church in McKinney. I talked to Chris Binion at Encounter Church in uh, Fate, Texas. Um, I've got three or four pastors I talk to on a regular basis, as well as we have a, a local Anna group. Uh, the, the local Anna pastors get together on Thursday mornings just to pray for each other. And it is, it is so healthy. By the way, not all the Anna pastors participate, but there's four churches and we get together literally every Thursday morning at 8.30, and we pray for each other and encourage each other. And one of the things that, that has come up more than once is, hey, don't freak out. They're coming back next week. If you don't get an entire thought out, don't worry about, you know, do I go too long? Find it, find a natural break. Completely cover one thought. And if it has to spill into the next week, it's okay because they're coming back. You don't have to get all, all out in one shot. <laughs> I like you know? that. It took me a second to get. They're, yeah. they're going to come back. Okay, come now back. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, if, if you don't get it all out on one Sunday, they'll be back the next Sunday. You can finish the thought then. Uh, and that's how, how more than enough became 20 weeks mm-hmm. of material. And it, it went from more than enough, um, just the premise of more than enough and, and the loaves and fishes. And, and, and uh, I don't want to preach the message all over again. But then we get into more than enough grace and more than enough joy and more than enough peace and more than enough hope. Um, and so one thing bled into another thing, bled into another thing. And as the Holy Spirit leads you, 
if it's more than it's going to fit into one podcast, it's okay. Make it two. Uh, if you want to cover, if, if, if something opens up in front of you and the Holy Spirit says, follow me a little further, don't let go of that because you got to go to the next thing. Take some time and explore it. And if that becomes, you know, that becomes all of season four is exploring one topic, then you know what? The Holy Spirit's going to move and that's going to be exactly what somebody needed to hear rather than me try to blast through because I've got to get to the next thing. That was, you know, that's why hope is always so good about, okay, you have eight pages. Stop it. <laughs> find your breaking point split into two and we'll pick back up there and and uh you know i think it's it's how the holy spirit leads me is like one more it's like i, it's how I tell our church i say it so often it's almost they're probably fresh every time they hear it now but god doesn't say run a 26 mile marathon and then i'll see if i'm interested in you he says take this next step and we take that next step he says okay now take the next step and i'll meet you at every single step on the way and what does the next step look like? I don't know. He's still showing me. And, and so he says, take the next step. And we got to get so good at just following the Holy Spirit and not telling the Holy Spirit where we're going to go, but saying, okay, Holy Spirit, you know, I've got my plan. And, and I'd, I'd be foolish to not go in with a plan. But not just Holy Spirit, it's okay with me if you interrupt. But Holy Spirit, please interrupt me. Please have your way in this. And, and when I do that, it always seems to end up, it, it goes a little deeper than I thought it was going to go. This Roman series, I really thought I was going to be done in five weeks. We're about to have week eight of the Roman series, and I do see the finish line. We're going to finish up not, not this weekend, but next weekend with Romans chapter uh, uh, 14 and 15. 16, Romans, uh, Paul kind of, Paul's from Texas in Romans chapter 16. <laughs> yeah. Uh, say hi to your mom and him. Say hi to your mom and him. Okay, tell them I said, hey, tell them I said, hey. I mean, uh, then he has this one little nugget in Romans 16 where he says, oh, by the way, beware of false teachers. But, oh, by the way, say hi to your mom and then say hi to them, too. You know, say, tell, tell them I think they're cool, too. And so, really, you finish out Romans with uh, chapters 14 and 15. And then we touched briefly on that thought about beware of false teachers. But there is a finish line to the Roman series. And, and 14 and 15 uh, are one thought. See, the book of Romans has 16 chapters. But remember, Paul didn't write in chapter and verse. He wrote a letter. And Bible scholars came later on to break it in chapter and verse. For, for the ease of our study. So Paul has one thought that carries through the first four chapters of Romans. He has one thought that carries through uh, five, six, and seven. And then eight, we spent three weeks on eight by itself. Uh, but I really thought we were going to have the entire book of Romans done in five weeks. Eight weeks in, we're going to go nine weeks. Uh, and then we finally start the battle series. I thought I'd be wrapping up the battle series now. But, you know, the Holy Spirit opens things up and he says, okay, you know, don't be so quick to move on to the next thing. Stay with me here in this moment and let me take you a little deeper than you thought we were going to go. And that's, that's when it's the most rewarding. Yeah, how much can you get when you are present in the moment? Right, yeah. right. Yeah. It is that time. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, ah, I didn't get to my fun question. Oh, what's the fun question? Because we don't have much uh, of what's coming up next week because we're recording so far in advance. Yeah. That uh, I don't have anybody after Leif. I'm sure we will. Well, we can do we can do uh, podcast part two. Yes, <laughs> we'll have him come back. <laughs> we'll, we'll do what Hope does to me. Split it in two. <laughs> split split it, in two. it in two. Uh, well, we are sitting at an hour and thirty four minutes, mm. which is the longest one we've had so far. So, uh, <laughs> so you're saying I talk a lot is what you're saying? Yeah, I'm, uh, hey, I'm, right, it's I, fine. Again, I was I was just processing. I didn't have a yeah. time to stop anything. No, it was a really good conversation. Enjoyed yeah, uh, getting to you. know you a little bit yes. and where you come from. Uh, so let's ask a couple of fun questions. What's your favorite food to eat? Oh, wow. Fried okra. Fried, Fried okra is on the list <laughs> for sure. Fried okra is on the list. Uh, you know, that's been the hard part about I work out. 
Uh, I, I don't work out. I've had some injuries lately, so I've been kind of getting back into the gym, and everything's a little sore right now because I've been getting in the gym for about a week and a half. It's the best feeling in the world. Yeah, the, the right kind of sore is yeah. great. Yeah. Uh -huh. I actually enjoy that. But um, I would be ripped and cut if I'd cut out the cheeseburgers. Mm. There's nothing better than cheeseburger. Favorite I mean, cheeseburger place? Where do you like to go? Oh, Five Guys is phenomenal, of okay. course. Um, Hop Dotties. What? Hop Dotties. Is there one up there? What's no, a Hop Dotties? It's in Addison. Addison. Yeah. That's I gotta go to Hot Dotties with you oh, then. Let's go to Hot Dotties. That's good. I'm looking for that burger. That, uh, you know, for one, they're really expensive. For, yeah, for a ham for for a, for a good one. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, not not for a you know a, a Whopper or a you know for for a burger on the go. Whopper's pretty darn good, but yeah. Um, yeah, we're not talking about like a quarter pounder or a Whopper. We're talking about like a really good burger. Yeah, they're expensive. There's a uh, an argument at the house. Uh, we go through Whataburger, Whataburger, it's not water, this is Texas now, it's water. Whataburger. Uh, Whataburger or In-N-Out, obviously oh, the dude, wife. That's, that's not even a question, that's ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm thinking if you can't get bacon on your burger, it's, it's not right burger. there, right there, we're, not done. It's not, we're done. I will tell you that one of my favorite burger places kind of along that genre is uh, uh, Fat Burger. It's usually on the West Coast, mm -hmm. I think we've got one in the area. I think there is one. In the There's area. one in Vegas that was mm -hmm. one of the best burgers I've ever had. Oh. Uh, fat something. Okay, probably fat burger. Probably fat burger, yeah. and they had like a cardiac on on the that's on it. the menu. There's one that that's says like cardiac one. arrest burger. Yep. I'm like, uh, <laughs> wait a second. <laughs> <I have> <laughs> yes. Like I, I'm, like, I'm going to avoid that. You know, uh, with with a passion, I'm going to avoid that burger. But I, I I love a good cheeseburger, and I could be so much thinner right now. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. As much as I time as I put in the gym, you would think I'd be uh, thin. But it, those Dr. Peppers, man, oh, so yummy. I am being weaned off of because, uh, of course, I'm 50 now. So, what? Uh, You're not that old. Exactly. Thank you, Alan. I've got I've got our church trained. If I say something shocking like you know a young looking, energetic guy like me, and I say I'm 50, you're supposed He's to be shocked. And if you're There's not no shocked, way. I'm a little bit ticked that you're not shocked by that. <laughs> so uh, I've got boat. our church trained that you know they say no, you can't be that old. So. Uh, Where's uh, all the gray hair? This is yeah. not fair. He's still a baby. <laughs> yeah. we I'll take that. I got that white patch on my beard that lets everybody know I'm not as, I'm not as young as you, as, as I might act. I'll say it that way. Um, but, you know, Hope has been recently saying, okay, you got to cut out the, the sodas. Uh, you got to cut this out. You got to cut that out because, you're, remember, you're not a kid anymore. And I will say that as, as I've been just like, okay, you know, I can, I can let this go. I can let that go. Um, now when I have a soda, they're too sweet to me. Mm. I've gotten used to, you know, and, and sweet tea can be too sweet to me. Uh, that's that's a recent adjustment. <laughs> Listen, this is a recent discovery for me too. So uh, I'm totally with you. Right on. So yeah, I uh, I didn't I didn't expect you to be 50 years old. So um, it's not that old. That's yeah. what I'm saying. I feel I feel better now <laughs> with this young pup over here. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. Uh, this gray hair. Pup. Yeah, yeah. I keep thinking like Alan and I are on the same uh, page, but Alan is really good buddies. Alan and, and Shannon are really good buddies with my oldest and her husband. Um, so, like, I keep thinking like you know, Alan and Shannon and I we're we're all the same age, and then like, no, no, they're good friends of your kids. <laughs> Dang it! <laughs> Dang it! What just happened right there? Yeah. Um, yeah, I just turned fifty-one this year, so it's uh yeah, that's coming up for me, August. It's oh, right on. Welcome to the club. <laughs> Welcome to the club. What's your favorite movie genre? Um, oh man. Dude. Is that a fair question? 
Okay, so here's the problem. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. The answer I'm supposed to give you right now is, you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme, action. He's coming out with a new one. No, no, no. No, no, no. So my, my, oh. whole, my whole... So with the, with the get to know your pastor... Yeah. I think that... Uh, I'm trying to say this the right way. I think a lot of people put pastors on this level that... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they can't be touched. Right. They're, they're perfect. There's nothing... Yeah, I, I float on clouds. If you didn't yeah. know that, I float on clouds. <laughs> so, I mean, but, you know, at the same time, same thing with, like, stars and athletes. Everybody mm-hmm. puts them, on, like, way up on the pedestal. They're just regular people. Yeah. So that's what I'm... That's the truth. And yeah. I don't have a hotline to God that you don't have. That's, that's the other thing. I just want to just shake people sometimes. Pastor, would what's you this, pray what's about this? What's the second this? phone like, that you have here? <laughs> I thought that yeah. it's got God all it's over gold. it. Yeah. It's, it's gold embossed. No, um, uh, favorite movie is is a tough question because you know as a guy, you know, well, of course I like the Schwarzenegger, Van, you know, John John Claude Van Damme, the the action movies. Uh, of course I like that, but you know the the movies that stick with me are always redemption stories. Mm. And so seeing a theme here, yeah. Um, mm. There's. Okay, Mighty Anvil has a really squishy side here for a second. There's a movie called Sense and Sensibility, and it's a chick flick <laughs> okay. like to the moon and back. It is the ultimate chick flick. It's like set in Victorian England times, and it, it just it is the ultimate chick flick. But man, that that movie has some moments where it's it's complete redemption. Yeah. It's, desti- it's, it's somebody going from healthy and happy to utter destitution and there's no way back. And all of a sudden there's this beautiful thread of redemption that comes. And that's the kind of stuff that, I mean, there was a movie that came out not long ago. Um, Tina Fey was in it. It's I think admittance or something like that. And she's a college uh, recruiter or something along those lines. And anyway, um, there's a child that she's really trying to get admitted into and Everybody else watched that movie and said, well, whatever. There, it wasn't that funny or whatever else. But there's the sweetest story of redemption in here about mm-hmm. this kid who you know, realizes at the end that the, the, the person who's recruiting her, uh, him to college is his long-lost mother. And, of course, she gave him up for adoption and had no idea. And that's the, kind of the whole thread of the movie is they find out through this process that this is her child. And she's been really regretting, really um, um, wishing she could undo and have, you know, who's my child today kind of thing. And, of course, knowing he's adopted, he always wanted to meet his birth mother. And, of course, there's this, this beautiful thread through the whole thing. And uh, I went to see that movie with friends, and they're like, wasn't that funny? And I'm walking out like I'm almost like trying to wipe away the tears in the, in the <laughs> most manly fashion I can because, uh, man, there's this incredible redemption story that, you know, uh, it's beautiful when God does something like that. When, when we can see uh, his fingerprint in what looks like, uh, the worst of stories and it turns around and you just know, okay, I know it's just a story, but any kind of any, anything where there's that threat of redemption. Yeah. So the movies that stick with me are things like sense and sensibility. I know I have to cut up my, <laughs> I know I have to cut up my man card at some point, but that Love one, and pray. Oh. Yeah, you know, <laughs> 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 I've never seen that one. And I've also never seen the notebook cause uh, I don't, I don't ever pay. I've got a movie. Uh, I've got a philosophy about movies. I don't pay to get sad, and I don't pay to get scared. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm not paying somebody my money to make me scared. And, and by the way, there's, there's so much to that that, you know, we have to be careful what enters our gate, what enters mm-hmm. our spirit. And so there's people I know that are in our church that I love, and they struggle with anxiety. 
they struggle with things like that, and yet one of their very favorite things to do <laughs> is to watch the, lo- the, lo- the, the, the latest horror flick. Yeah. I'm like, okay, if you don't see a connection here, I don't know how to help you. I mean, like, <laughs> it's a true story. <laughs> so um, uh, I, I don't ever let somebody put fear in my heart, so I never watch terror movies or horror movies, and I don't ever go out of my way to make, let, let somebody make me sad. Well, I've heard the ending of The Notebook, so I'm not watching The Notebook. Mm. I also don't watch, I don't ever watch a movie where something bad happens to a kid. Can't do it. I'm, I'm, I just tears me up. So um, the movies that I really enjoy, yes, I do like the action shoot 'em up, although uh, the Fast and Furious movies were so ridiculous. <laughs> They've gotten that way. We're in, spa- we're in space next week, just yeah. letting y'all know an oh F9 not. F9 <laughs> something, on. you know, they're, they're going to jump a, a bridge and end up in, you know, orbiting the moon twice and then coming back and landing perfectly without a scratch on the car. <laughs> right. And it's all going to be okay. Like, okay, I'm done. I'm out. Thank you. But, um, you know, a good action flick for sure. But the movies that, that really stand out to me are the, the ones that have that redemption thread, okay. which means I end up liking chick flicks more than I should. Okay. Sorry. It's all right. We're not judging. Much, on, only on much. Monday. <laughs> hey, real quick. Uh, yeah. Have you seen Ted Lasso? No. Okay. I would love to get some feedback from I you. Need to, I need to watch. Yeah, this. I've got something for him, mm-hmm. but he's got to watch the he's got to watch the series. It's ten episodes. They're about 30, 36 minutes, okay. forty six minutes each. So you can go through them really. Oh, there's eight episodes. You can go through them really quick. Man, there's so much inside of them. Uh, but it is, yeah, it's. Uh, we were talking about. Uh, it's not cool to cry when you got glasses because there's no right. way to take them off. And, like, what are you doing? I don't know, cleaning my glasses. Right. Uh, but it, kind of all along the redemption, when, everybody, any, when anybody shows respect, honor, or love yeah. to someone else in a show or movie, it just gets me, man. And yeah. my wife will look at me and goes, are you okay? And, like, I'm, okay. yeah, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. fine. <laughs> but Ted Lasso, it's uh, on Apple TV. Highly recommend it. Okay. Um, Jason Sudeikis mm-hmm. is uh, the lead character. Oh, okay. So I would say of a genre, uh, of a genre. I said, I said genre. That, that's very, genre. That's very Texas. Dish. Genre. Um, uh, I love, of course, action movies. I really, really love redemption stories, which means often chick flicks. But a good goofy comedy yeah. is better than... I love... I'll sit down and I'll watch a good goofy comedy um, 10 times out of 10. And so, of course, Jason Sudeikis, you've already got me. Okay, yep. I'm in. It's, uh, it's really good. So it, the basis of the story is there is a football club in England, which is soccer, yeah. that uh, the husband and wife are getting divorced. The wife gets the club. The, so she wants to destroy what her husband loves. Oh, wow. And so she hires an American football coach to come over and coach over there. And okay. uh, I think it opens up to where they're sitting on a plane, him and his assistant coach, and they're reading how to play soccer while flying over there. They have no clue. Soccer. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, is, it, it is a great – it's just highly recommended. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I got – the gift that I have given uh, a couple of times from this, I make sure that whoever's receiving this – I'm not going to spoil it for you. Thank you you. got to wait. Okay. you got to watch the show. But uh, I've, I've handed this, this out. There's different versions of what I'm handing out. But, yeah, you have to watch, you have to watch it to get what I'm trying to do there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, okay. it's, uh, it's pretty, pretty interesting. Awesome. Highly recommend it. Awesome. All right. Um, I think I had – I thought I had a fun question, but I can't remember it now. Uh, we, Best funny movie. <laughs> Best funny movie? Yeah. I don't know. Last night I went to go see the – Bodyguard's wife's, no, I'm sorry. Oh, the yeah. The Hitman's body, 
the hitman's, hitman's wife's, wife's bodyguard. bodyguard. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I want to see that. It is pretty good because, and you know, it is good when the audience that's in there is all laughing at the same joke out loud. Yeah. And uh, I really enjoy, you know, you hear people every once in a while laughing. But, no, seriously, they had us on on sync with everybody. Everybody got the jokes. Yeah. And it, it was, I, I recommend that movie. Awesome. Okay. I, I love Ryan Reynolds anyway. Yeah. So. You, can't, you can't not like Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Deadpool. Love Deadpool. All right, so, uh, again, we're kind of recording out in the future. Well, mm-hmm. we're in back into the future. I don't right. Know. We don't know where we're going with that. It's, it's great August when you listen to this, but. Yes, yes. <laughs> right now for right. us. So I don't know who we have on for you all to listen to next week. It will be like a, a drop in the hat, or we'll, yeah. pull, we'll pull someone out and yeah, surprise we'll you. So always something to look forward to. But uh, one of our traditions here is to have our guests pray us out. Yeah. And uh, we would love to have that honor from you. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Father, we just thank you so much for this time together. We just ask, Father, that um, as those who are listening to this, whenever it is, Father, we just thank you that you're speaking into their heart right now. If it's somebody who needs to understand and hear that they've never been out of your sight, even though they're going through something hard today, we thank you that you would comfort them, that you would reassure them, that your peace would be upon them in Jesus' name. For the ones who uh, feel like they've gone too far, for the ones who feel like they've done too much, um, that somehow or another they've disqualified themselves. I thank you, Father, for them, that they would hear that your grace means that right now, right where they're at, before they get cleaned up, before they get dusted off, while they're still messy and covered in stuff, Father, that your grace, simply put, means that you adore them, that they've never been out of your sight. I thank you for the ones that need to hear this morning that we're not your children because one this one time we said a prayer, but Father, you've known from the very beginning. You foreknew us. And so you predestined and you planned and you called and you justified and you glorified. Father, we thank you that we can trust all this to your hands. Your word says in Romans eight twenty eight that you work all things together. So even, Father, for the hard things we don't understand, when, when the, the brushing is taking place, when things are being knocked off of us, uh, if it's the scale that needs to be knocked off us, Father, whatever you want to do in our lives, we know you're working it together for our good because we love you and we're called according to your purpose. We thank you, Father, for those who... Uh, maybe you're in a situation where um, maybe it's the, the, they're in a position where they put themselves. Father, help us to understand that your grace doesn't expire. It doesn't run out. That you're always for us. Your word says you, you straighten every crooked path. And your word says that you come behind us as our rear guard. We trust all this into your hands. Father, strengthen us. Prepare us. Equip us. And Father, help us to never lose sight of Colossians 1, 15 through 20. That Jesus is the image of the invisible God, perfect in all his ways. All of this is for for your glory. All of this is for your honor. All this is for your praise. Help us to live lives that would glorify and would please you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.
Real quick question. What's behind the name of Grace Point? Uh, Grace Point really is that moment in time where Ted Haggard said Grace means this. And I was so broken. And that was, uh, and literally, again, sometimes I'm a literalist. Uh, literally, there was a point in time where I got the understanding that grace means that, that God sees me where I'm at and he loves me now. Not some future version or future state of me, but God sees me right now and he loves me. And that point in time changed everything that followed. It's that watershed moment in time where everything before this moment looked like this and everything after this moment is completely changed. Um, the, the life will never be the same kind of moments. Uh, so that, that grace point um, was what I wanted. I want our church to be a place where those kind of moments happen, where restoration, I'm a sucker for restoration. Uh, I want to be, our church to be one of those places where restoration happens as they come into the food pantry and you know, life has been difficult or whatever else, but as they come get food, they don't just leave with food, they leave with hope. And, and suddenly there's that, that moment in time where we really get a grasp of God's grace is so magnificent and so glorious and it, and it truly does change everything. So we want to make a place for it, Grace Place. And we want to we wanna be a church that fosters those points in time where everything changes and life looks different because we encountered the presence and the spirit of God in that moment. And so everything changes. So that's kind of what we're built around. That's what we're for. And so that's why we chose that name. Right on. Okay. Well, Strikers, as we uh, continue to uh, chase after God's heart, uh, we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.